listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We're going to get into this today. If you didn't get a chance to do so yet, share it. And uh, I want to take you through five things that the Apostle Paul taught that make victory easy. You know, I know you guys hear us, my wife and I. Good morning, Brother uh, brother Ted and Ashley. Uh, I know you guys hear my wife and I talking about um, all the time. We'll say stuff like the struggle is over or, you know, uh, which I hate that phrase, the, the struggle is real. So we've been declaring the struggle is over. God has not called you to struggle. But at the same time, you see so many believers that seem to be struggling all the time. And you wonder why is it that some are struggling and others seem to be walking in victory. Why is it that some seem to be on cloud nine, as it were, and others just seem like they're in the trenches day after day after day trying to get their victory? And so today I want to cover that. I want to cover five things that Paul taught that will help keep you in a mindset of victory and see victory manifest in your life and make it easy to walk in overcoming victory as well. Good morning, Renee, Joel and Carrie, Jennifer, Shanda, Denise. Glad you're on today. Thanks for joining us. And so five things. Now, why do I say that? Why, why do I say that you have to understand this revelation to have easy victory? Well, it's because you experience the reality. And those of you that are taking notes, you've got to pop this in the comments. You will experience the reality of what you believe to be true. You will experience the reality of what you believe to be true. Let me give you some scripture for that so you don't think I'm just making stuff up. The Bible says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The Bible says also on top of that, that you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. That's John 8, 32. Gospel of John chapter 8, verse 32. You will know the truth and the truth that you know will make you free. You can't benefit from any truth that you don't know. I mean, I mean that, that I know that's obvious and sounds obvious. Good morning, Marie. But I have to say it anyway. You can't benefit from the truth that you don't know. And so you'll know the truth. That's why it's so important to know the word of God and to have revelation of God's word. So it, put it in the comments. You will experience the reality of what you believe to be true. You will experience it. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. If you believe you are nothing, if you believe you're a nobody, if you believe you're worthless, guess what'll happen? You'll act like you're worthless. You'll believe and you'll take steps uh, from that perspective, I'm nothing, I'm worthless. So when you interact with other people, you'll act out of insecurity, you'll act out of that uh, place of feeling worthless. You know, if someone treats you poorly or badly, then you'll say, well, you know, I deserve to be treated like that because I'm worthless, I'm, I'm nothing. So what am I teaching? You will experience the reality of whatever you believe to be true. And so people that understand their rights don't put up with things 
that are not theirs. So let me give you an example. It's why we have, if we own property, you know, I, I come from the South. So if, if you own property, uh, I, I knew all kinds of people that own farms and stuff. You have a fence around your property, a marker, a boundary line. At the very least, if you're a homeowner, if you rent a home or an apartment, what you live in is your own markered boundary line. The front door to your house or your apartment is the boundary line of what you pay for that you live in. It's your property. If somebody comes into your property, you have the right to tell them to leave if you don't want them there. And that's what's so great, especially with what I was referencing first, people that have farms, people that own land. If you know where your property line starts and ends, then you can enforce trespassing. You can enforce it. No trespassing. You may have seen signs like that. No trespassing. And so because you know where the property line begins and where it ends, you can enforce that no trespassing sign that you have up. If somebody comes onto your property, you can tell them, you can't stay here. This is private property. You've got to go. But here's the problem. If you don't know where your property begins and where it ends, you'll be very unsure as to whether or not you could give that command of, hey, you're you're trespassing on my property. You need to leave. If you don't know if it is your property or not, then you won't know whether or not you can give that command and you definitely can't give it with any kind of authority because you're unsure. This is why when God is telling us how to approach his throne in Hebrews chapter four, he says that we've got to boldly approach the throne of grace. Why? Because we know we have covenant with God and that we have a right to make our requests known unto God. I have a right because I know he's my father and that I'm in covenant with him. And so I have the boldness. I have the right to stand in the throne room and to petition him for what I'm believing for. And so that's why it's important that you know. Good morning, Billy. Good morning, Wes. Jay. Andrew Journey's in the house. Good to see you guys. I love you all. Um, so what am I saying? You will experience the reality of what you believe to be true. And so what I'm going to show you today is something that you've got to know and believe to be true, and it makes victory easy. It makes victory easy when you begin to have this kind of revelation in your life and live like it's true. That's faith. Living like it's already true because it is. And so, as I said, these are five things I'm going to run through for you today that Paul the Apostle taught in his lifetime and in his letter letters to the churches. And we have got to embrace every single one of these five things. Now, somebody would call them secrets. They're not secrets. They're given to us in the Bible, which is written to the body of Christ. They're not secrets, but they are keys. They're not secrets. They're not hidden from you, but they are keys. And I'm surprised at how many people say, man, uh, what is that? I've, I've never, um, I've, I've never heard that before. Is that something God gave you? No, it's, it's something that's been around since the early church. And I want to show it to you today. So, uh, for those of you that are jumping on, take a minute to share this because this is going to be life changing for somebody today. Now this is called, if, if you're taking notes, this collection of thoughts, this collection of revelation is called Pauline revelation. Paul with an I-N-E on the end, Pauline. 
The reason it's called Pauline revelation is because it's the revelation God gave to the apostle Paul and he taught it and he taught it through all of his letters, taught it to the churches and the early church had this understanding of what I'm about to show you today. And that's why they walked in such victory. That's why they walked in never ending victory. They saw miracle after miracle. They saw breakthrough after breakthrough. They saw kingdom expansion at such a massive rate it was blowing. I mean, think about this. It was illegal to, to be a, a Christian. It, you know, it, they didn't stop getting persecuted for Christianity, I believe, until somewhere in the mid-third century. So it was heavy-duty persecution for the first, what, 300, 400 years of Christianity? I mean, heavy, where they're feeding you to wild animals, they're cutting off your head, they're crucifying you, uh, they're torturing you, they're killing your family heavy persecution. However, the church was still rapidly expanding. Doesn't that seem crazy? At the risk of death and torture, the church is rapidly expanding in the early church. It's because they had a revelation of what Paul taught and understood that their lives were not their own. So I want to jump into this with you. Good morning, Letty. Good to have you on today. Luke, what's up? Good to have you on. Um, let me show this to you. Five thoughts that, that I want to share with you that Paul taught that are going to change your life forever. Uh, once again, this is Pauline Revelation. And what we're talking about today is identification with Christ. Identification. This is actually a great topic in light of what we're seeing around in our culture. And it makes me laugh a little bit, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, you hear so many people say, I identify as... I mean, how often do you hear that in our culture now? Well, I identify as blank. I identify as this. Um, you know, that there was just a, I saw something pop up on my Twitter, Twitter feed a couple of days ago. Um, it was, uh, apparently it was a, a landmark moment that a girl, I think in her high school, on the track team beat out uh, a transgender, it was a guy that had transitioned to or identified as a girl that was running in the female track um, team or whatever, and the girl beat the guy, and I guess that was big news. But you hear a lot of people say, well, I identify as this, I identify as that. And it's not just gender anymore. Now it's race. We got that girl uh, that was up in Washington State, I believe, um, who, who was white, but said, I identify as black. And so she was, you know, living as though she was black and everything. So there's all kinds of different things, areas people are crossing over where they say, I identify as this, I identify as that. Well, really, what I'm going to show you today is very much the same thing. It is your identification with Christ. Identification with Christ. Those of you that are watching, put it in the comments. Identification with Christ. I want to give you five things. And these things are so powerful, it'll change the whole way you live. It will change the way you function as a believer when you see what I'm about to show you. So let's start with Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Five areas of life in which you must identify with Christ. Five areas of your life in which you must identify with Christ. Good morning, Ashley Dahman. Talitha's in the house. Good to see you. We must identify with Christ in five areas of life. And these five things are so powerful 
They literally will change the way that you live. Identif yeah, pop it in the comments. Identification with Christ. Maybe you've never heard it like this before, but today I'm going to stir your faith and this is going to help you. Number one, this is Paul's first level of identification uh, with Christ, his first level of revelation God gave him. Um, look at this now. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Good morning, Travis. You see that? Number one, the first level of identify, uh, identification with Christ, put it in the comments, number one, crucified with Christ. That's number one, crucified with Christ. Every believer is crucified with Christ. That's so, so important. When Christ was crucified, I was crucified. When Christ was crucified, I was crucified. And Paul understood that. And in fact, he, he put this into effect on a daily basis. He put this into effect on a daily basis. Listen to this. Uh, the Bible says, and I'm, I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. Listen to this. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. That's 1 Corinthians 9, 27. So Paul, understanding I'm crucified with Christ, what he's saying is, is that the old man, you remember Paul's the one that God gave the revelation that he wrote to the Corinthian church, that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. That means they're dead. All things have become new. So the first identification is the old me, the carnal me, the sinful me, the one that was on his way to hell, the one that would be destroyed for eternity, that me has been crucified with Christ. When Christ was nailed to the cross, the old me was also nailed to that cross. The old me was also nailed to that cross. Think about it. The old me that was susceptible to the devil's sickness and disease, the old me that was susceptible to poverty and lack, the old me that was susceptible to depression and anxiety, the old me that was susceptible to broken relationships, that me was nailed to the cross. The old me that was susceptible to coronavirus was nailed to the cross. So understand it was it was nailed there, crucified there, because we're leaving it behind. Um, I was reading a book called uh, Christ the Healer by F.F. Bosworth, powerful man of God. And one of the things that he wrote in that book is that because Jesus purchased your healing from sickness and disease on the cross of Calvary, he said this, get it into your mind like a picture that when Jesus was put up on the cross and they nailed his hands and they nailed his feet, they were nailing your sicknesses to the cross. When they whipped his back, they were whipping 
your sicknesses on his back. They were nailing your sicknesses to the cross. They were nailing your diseases to the cross. And then he said this, the good news is Jesus came down off of the cross, but your sicknesses stayed up on the cross. Jesus came down off of the cross, but your diseases stayed up on the cross. So everything that was the old, everything that was the old has been nailed to the cross. And Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I still live. Yet it's not me living, it's Christ living in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Jesus came down off of the cross, but your sicknesses stayed on. Jesus came down, but your poverty stayed up. Jesus came down, but your depression stayed up. Jesus came down, but suicidal thoughts stayed up. He nailed them to the cross. And the powerful thing is this, is that Christ uh, gave us the ability to identify with his crucifixion, meaning that he brought us into the body of Christ. Think about that phrase because we're going to get into it. Hey, good morning, Sarah. Thank you for sowing a seed. Think about this because we're going to get deeply into this thought today, the body of Christ, the body of Christ. In fact, those of you that are watching, I want you to write in the comments, I'm a part of the body of Christ. If you are, if you're saved, if you're on your way to heaven, I want you to write into the comments, I'm a part of the body of Christ. I am a part of the body of Christ. Now, that's a very, very important phrase that we take, I think, for granted sometimes, but I'm going to break it open to you today in this broadcast. What it means to literally be a part of the body of Christ. It's huge. It's very important. I am a part, that's right, of the body of Christ. And I, I am so thankful that I'm a part of the body of Christ. I am a part. Now, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Well, that that is him identifying uh, from a place of being in the body of Christ now. He was a Christian when he wrote that. And what he was saying was, because he identifies of being part of Christ's body that God brought us into. In fact, you know what's one of the wonderful things? Paul talked about it as the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption. That's what Paul wrote about how we as Gentiles came into the family of God. Because you know, in the old covenant, if you weren't born Jewish, then you weren't a part of the family of God. You had to be born as a Jew to be part of God's family. But this was the revelation that Peter received from the Lord when God gave him a vision and lowered that sheet down from heaven and let him see all of those animals uh, that the Jews considered unclean, you know, pork, all that, all the things that the Jews considered unclean and could not eat. And the Lord spoke to Peter in the vision and said, kill and eat. And he said, I, I won't eat that, it's unclean. And then God said to Peter, do not call unclean what I have cleansed. What, what God was talking to Peter about there was that the gospel was going to come to the Gentiles. 
This is before Peter goes to Cornelius' house, who was Italian. He wasn't Jewish. He was Italian. And before Peter could go there, because apparently Peter had a little bit of prejudice on the inside of him, thinking this is only for the Jews. This isn't for anybody else. And God had to appear to him and show him by a vision. You can't call people unclean if I've cleansed them. So go preach the gospel. And Peter went to Cornelius' house, preached the gospel, and the whole house was saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. And this is where we get the verse of scripture that everybody quotes from Acts 10, 34, where Peter says, I perceive, or I can clearly see, God is no respecter of persons. The context of that scripture was, he didn't just give salvation to the Jews. He didn't just give the Holy Ghost to the Jews. He gave it to all men. I can now clearly see God's not showing favoritism in the gospel message, in salvation. It's for everybody. And so Peter understanding it's for everybody, the spirit of adoption brought Gentiles into the family of God. I'm so thankful for the spirit of adoption. Through God was able to graft us in, the Bible says, to that tree that we were not a part of originally. So now that we have been placed into the body of Christ by a spirit of adoption, think about that, I and you are now in and a part of the body of Christ. That's why I had you to write it because we're going to hit this in a moment and it's going to be uh, deeper than you may have seen before. I am a part of the body of Christ. What are we talking about today? Identification with Christ. Identification. I identify as crucified with Christ. So number one, and this is so very important. Number one, I identify as being crucified with Christ. When he was crucified, I was crucified. Why? Because I am a part of his body. If I'm a part of his body, I'm in that body. When it was nailed to the cross, I was nailed to the cross. And so all of the things the devil would use to destroy me have already been nailed to the cross. Think about this. This is redemption story now. But Paul's looking at it from the other side of redemption after it's already happened. Think about it. Anything the devil would use to destroy you has already been nailed to the cross. Think about this. God's not going to heal you. He already healed you. Did you ever think about that? Think about it in the actual time of redemption. Jesus isn't going to heal you. He already healed you. He's not going to save you. He already saved you. You see that? And so the, the thing that's, that, that people get, this is, you say, well, that's semantics. It's not semantics. Because if you get into the thought process where people get into doubt and unbelief, which causes them to not receive their miracles, signs, and wonders, thereby not walking in daily victory, it's because they have this thing. Well, God's going to heal me one day. No, he's not. God's not going to heal you one day. He already healed you. You're healed. Look at 1 Peter. I want you to read this with me because the wording is important. That's why we use word for word as much as possible Bible translations because I don't want to just know the thoughts of the writers that the Holy Spirit inspired. I want to know the words. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, not my thoughts, my words will never pass away. So look at 1 Peter 2.24. Listen to the way it's worded. Uh, he himself bore our sins 
in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Not you're going to be healed. You have been healed. It's already done. You know, Jesus, let me just give you, and I know you know this, but think about it. Jesus doesn't have to take stripes on his back every time someone needs to be healed. Jesus doesn't have to get re-crucified every time someone needs to be saved or healed or delivered or blessed. It's done. When Jesus lifted his hands and lifted his uh, voice and lifted his head and said, it is finished before he gave up the ghost. It was done right there. He wasn't, listen, he wasn't dead yet, but he was about to be. He was going to give up the ghost. Nobody could take his life from him. He laid it down. So think about this. He had just been crucified and it was at the end of that process. I'm crucified with Christ. He was at the end of that process and shouted out a Greek word, tetelestai, tetelestai. And I've taught on this on the broadcast before, but the word in Greek, tetelestai, had two very important historical meanings and word pictures. The first is when someone owed debts, financial debts. And when they finally paid their debts off, the one who was their debt collector would take their bill and write on the bill, tetelestai, which meant paid in full paid in full. The second way that it was used in historical um, context was when a general would watch from the mountain into the valley as the war was being waged. And when he saw his army overtake the other army, the enemy army, he would stand from his horse and shout over the valley, Tetelestai, which meant it is finished, the battle is won. It is finished, the debt is paid. It is finished, the battle is won. It is finished, the debt is paid. It is finished, the battle is won. Jesus, our great general, was on the cross of Calvary and the debt collector had come to collect the eternal debt for your sin and for your sickness and for your poverty and for your brokenness. And Jesus shed his blood and let it come out of his body, sinless blood that paid the debt that you could not pay. And once he paid it, he shouted, it is finished, paid in full. The devil whom you could never defeat by yourself, the enemy of your soul that you could never take out by yourself, the great general of our soul, Jesus Christ, on the cross, lifted up, like preaching this today. If you think about it, Jesus said this, man, this is, this is such a thought you got to catch in your spirit. Jesus himself said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And what they didn't even realize that they were doing as they nailed him, see, they nailed him before they lifted him. They whipped him before they lifted him. I'm going to preach something to you right now. They whipped him, they nailed him, they beat him, they put a crown of thorns on his head before they lifted him. And so he was laying on the ground, <clears throat> nailed, whipped, beaten with a crown, <clears throat> but then they lifted him up 
and put that cross into the ground. And he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. That's why the Bible says if the rulers of this world had known what they were doing, they would have never crucified our Lord. They thought they were winning a victory, but they were signing their own death warrant. And he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And they lifted our general up. That's right. That's how you spell it. T-E-T-E-L-E-S-T-A-I, Tetelestai. And when they lifted our general and our great king up over the battlefield of the world, he shouted over the world throughout eternity, past, present, and future. It is finished. The battle is won. That's why Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and said, thanks be unto God who always gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be unto God who always gives us the victory. I don't have the victory sometimes. There's my friend, Pastor Terry Drost. I don't have the victory sometimes. I have the victory all the time. You don't have the victory sometimes. You have the victory all the time all the time. You're not just in victory three months out of the year. You're in victory 12 out of 12 months, 366 days this year out of 366. You have the victory. And so I want you to understand it's because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So when Christ was crucified, we were crucified which means that every wicked thing that was supposed to take us out was nailed to that cross and stayed there and could not come back. But the body came down off the cross. Number two, the second thing that I want you to see that brings us never-ending victory in our identification with Christ, those of you watching, put it in the comments. Number two, I'm not just crucified with Christ, I died with Christ. I died with Christ. Very, very, very powerful uh, verse to understand is Colossians chapter three and verse three. Colossians chapter three and verse three. I love this. Paul wrote this to the church in Colossae. Colossians 3, three, listen to Paul's writing. He said, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So I want you to catch this with me today. Number two identification. Here's how I identify. I died with Christ. When Christ died, I died. To make that that verse was 1 Corinthians 15, 57 who always gives us the victory. Thanks be unto God, who always gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Colossians 3, 3 says, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So you think about this for a moment. Powerful, powerful, powerful thing is that you died when Christ died. You died when Christ died. Hallelujah. You died when Christ died. Think about this. 
any person who is born twice will only die once. But any person who's only born once will die twice. I'm going to say that again. If you've never heard it, if you've never thought of it, think about this. Any person who is born twice will only die once. But any person who's only born once will die twice. Let me, let me break that down. What does it mean to be born twice? Well, you're born naturally from your mother's womb, but then you're born again. And if you get born again, if you come into the family of God, you will only die once. What is that death that you will die? Physical death. Unless you're in the rapture, you will die physical death at some point. But if you're only born once, you'll die twice. If, you're, if the only birth you ever had was out of your mother's womb and you were never reborn, you'll die natural death and then you'll die eternal death, spiritual death for the rest of eternity in hell. Anyone who's born twice will only die once. But anybody that's born once will die twice. And so understand this, very important. I am dead and my life is hidden with Christ in God. You know what I like to tell people? The devil can't even find me. Say, why can't he find you? Because I'm hidden, the Bible teaches, with Christ in God. You hear that? I am hidden with Christ in God. In fact, I want you to write it in the comments, those of you that are watching, my life is hidden with Christ in God. The devil can't even find you because the Bible teaches us here that our life is hidden with Christ. Our life is hidden. So I'm dead. I'm a dead man walking. Hallelujah. Dead man walking. What does that mean? My old flesh is gone and dead. The old me is dead. That's what, uh, that's what the, the verse that we quote so often, especially at times where people are being saved. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. You know what's so powerful about that? When you read that verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. What does that mean, passed away? It means they're dead. We, we still say that today. But he passed away. She passed away. What does that mean? They died. Passed away. Remember what, what Paul's writing here. Old things are passed away. They're dead. And behold, all things have become new. This is why I have such an issue with people going around talking like and saying stuff like, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. That's not scriptural. It's not scriptural at all. You are a new creation. When God comes into your life to make you new, he does not bring in supernatural duct tape and just duct tape up the old man until he's new. No, he lets that man die and then creates a brand new man, a brand new woman. I am crucified with Christ and then I'm dead with Christ. The old things are passed away. My life is brand new once I come to Christ. My life is brand new 
And so number two, my second identification is I identify as I died with Christ. I died with Christ. The old man does not remain. He is gone. And the new man has come alive. The new man has come alive. So think about this. When the devil tries to bring you guilt and shame about who you used to be, when he tries to make you feel like you're not worthy to be a child of God because of things in your past and you should never pray and ask God for blessings, look at all the things you've done and look where you've been and look blah, 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 blah. You need to remind him, no, 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 that person is dead. They no longer exist. You're not even talking to that person anymore. I am a new creation, a completely different person. Old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. I'm dead. You're dead. And my life, your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's good, Marie. Marie said, the old man is gone. Stop resurrecting him. He died for a reason. God crucified him and let him die for a reason so that we could be made brand new, new life in Christ. That's what it's about. So number one, I was crucified with Christ. Number two, I died with Christ. You know, that's one of the things that we do, uh, not just in death, uh, identifying in death, but number three, and I want you to put this in the comments, number three, I was buried with Christ. I was buried with Christ. You know, it's, it is important because we're putting away, when you bury, you're putting away, it's the finality. We're putting away that old man. It's final. At that point, it's done. We're putting him in the ground, burying him, gone and dead forever. The finality, the finality of burial. And that's what we do, you know, if you... You know, if we, uh, if we get baptized publicly, as the Bible instructs us to do, that we're to be baptized in water, you know, that, that baptism in water does not save you. It is just a public declaration of what has already happened to you. When I was just with Pastor Brian Wright at Boomerang Church in Albemarle, North Carolina, we finished the week by doing water baptisms. And it really blessed me because my daughter Madeline spontaneously wanted to be baptized. <clears throat> and so I was able to baptize my oldest daughter who fully understands redemption, fully understands salvation. She's filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks in tongues. Uh, and she wanted, she said, I heard dad preach that message today. I want to be baptized with them. And so <clears throat> we had all those people lined up to be baptized in water. What is baptism in water besides a command of Christ? It is a picture of what has happened to you. You have gone down, the old man's been put under and buried with Christ, the new man comes up brand new. So water baptism, if you've never done it, you need to do it because Jesus commanded us to do it, number one. It doesn't save you, but it's a picture of what happened when you got saved. You go down, the old man is buried, the new man comes up alive comes up alive. Yes, it's a testimony, Valkyrie. It's a public uh, testimony of my decision to follow Jesus and the fact that he raised me up to new life. And so I am, that's right, Mary Richards, co-crucified, co-buried, and co-resurrected. That's it. I'm crucified. Then number two, I died. Number three, I was buried. 
So I want you to read this with me. We're going to go to Romans chapter 6. This is the verse for identification with burial. Romans chapter 6. And let's let's read this here. Let's read verse number 4. Listen to this. Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. See that? In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So recognize this. You can't be resurrected unless you died and were buried. Notice there is a pattern. There is a system that God has. Everything's systematic. He doesn't want to bring somebody into new life until first they've died and been buried. Why? That part's important too. You know, I want want you to hear this because everybody loves to focus on resurrection. Everybody loves to focus on the power. Everybody loves to focus. But understand, just as important as the resurrection is that the old man died. That is important. Paul taught it was very important in that that old man can no longer. In fact, let me... uh, Let me go right, this is a perfect place to be, uh, Romans chapter six, because Paul breaks it down so powerfully in this chapter. Let me just give you this. This is so powerful. Listen to uh, verses one through 14. So very powerful. And and think about what Paul's saying as I read this to you. Because there were some, he's writing this uh, to the church in Rome. These were Italians. And he's writing to some that understand the grace of God, which is something we're dealing with today, Hyper grace is being taught. And of course, we understand that the Bible says that uh, where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. The Bible says that. Where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. So you could get a wrong picture. Say, well, see, if I just keep sinning, then more grace will abound. Isn't that great? We're, We're causing God to release more grace. And so it's a wonderful thing. So we should, and so Paul knew they would think like that. And so he writes like this, Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means, Paul said. How can we who died to sin still live in it? That's that's what Paul's teaching here. He wants you to understand we're dead. How can we still live in it? Verse three, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Verse four, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse five, for if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. I love that. Verse six, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. That's the key. You see that? I was crucified and died and was buried so that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Those of you that are watching, I want you to put it in the comments. I'm not a slave to sin. Put it in the comments right now. I am not a slave to sin. I am not. 
Verse 7, for one who has died has been set free from sin. So see, now you're seeing the importance of identifying as I died with Christ. I'm buried with Christ. Paul tells us why it's important. One who has died has been set free from sin. You can't be set free from sin unless you died with Christ. You cannot be set free from sin unless you died with Christ. But I died with Christ and so did you. We believe that we'll also live with him. Verse nine, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death, this is powerful, no longer has dominion over him. Verse 10, for the death he died, he died to sin. Once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, so you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, don't let sin reign in your mortal body to make it to make you obey its passions. You see that? Let me stop right there and say that now you're dead to sin and you've been raised to new life. Paul's teaching, you now have power over sin and its desires, something sinners do not have. This is a big point that I need you to get today. Now that you are dead and buried and raised to new life in Christ, you have power over sin. Sin doesn't have power over you. So you have something now that sinners don't have, the ability to resist sin, rein it in, and cause it to not control you, but you control it. You see that? Now, go further. Verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Now, one of the most powerful verses of scripture that Paul writes to the Romans is verse 14. Check this out. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you. That's right. My flesh is not qualified to control my future. That's something I said in previous broadcast. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you were crucified, you died, you were buried. The old man is gone. He's dead. She's dead. And a new life has begun. Now, Let me give you the last two, and this is where you got to get ready to shout. The fourth identification that we have together as believers is I am raised with Christ or resurrected with Christ. I am resurrected with Christ. Hallelujah. Go to Colossians chapter 2, and let's read verse 12 together. Colossians chapter 2. I am resurrected with Christ. With Christ. If you're putting it in the comments, this is number four. I am resurrected with Christ. Thank you, Jesus. I've got power because I've been resurrected with Christ. Listen to this. <clears throat> this is Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. 
having been buried with him in baptism, in which you are also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. You see that? Let me read it again. Colossians 2 and verse 12. Having been buried with him, Christ, in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. When Christ was raised, I was raised. Why? I'm a part of the body of Christ. When Christ was raised, I was raised. He didn't leave me dead in a tomb. When he was raised up, I was raised up. You were raised up. Resurrection life power is living in your body today. That's found in Romans 8, 11. If the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwells in you, he shall quicken. That means to startle or make alive your mortal body. That resurrection power, that resurrection life is in your body today. You are resurrected with Christ. Every person watching me, I want you to put it in the comments right now. This is powerful. I am resurrected with Christ. I am resurrected with Christ. Hallelujah. You know, and um, there's songs that I, <clears throat> I really enjoy, worship songs. But one of the songs that I've changed the words to just a little bit is um, there's a song by Elevation Worship that became pretty, pretty popular. Of course, all, all their songs are popular, and I, and I love those guys. But there's a song they put out a few years ago called Resurrecting, I believe is the title. I might be wrong about that, but I think that's the title. It's called Resurrecting. <clears throat> and there's there's a place, um, at, I think it's in the bridge, where the lyrics are, <clears throat> the resurrected king is resurrecting me. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. You know the song I'm talking about? By your spirit I will rise. From the ashes of defeat. And then it's the resurrected king is resurrecting me. I change that every time I sing it because it's really not scriptural. He's not resurrecting me continually. It's not a systematic resurrecting. He resurrected me. I have been resurrected with Christ. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like still a little dead and then a little alive and like every day I'm more resurrected than the last. No, I was resurrected past tense in the same way that it says by his stripes, you were healed in the same way I was resurrected. And I'll explain that in a minute. So when I sing it, I just sing the resurrected King has resurrected me. I mean, that's not a big change, but it is a doctrinal change and it does make, it does make a difference. It does make a difference. And let me explain to you what I mean. <laughs> because this is not, once again, this is not semantics. This is not, well, your brother, you're just being a stickler for, no, listen to me. <clears throat> listen to me. Once you get unified with Christ, once you become one with Jesus Christ, you are 
what he is. You are what he is. Those of you that are taking notes, write it down. I am what he is. Speaking of Christ, I am what he is. Let me read you a verse just in case you think I'm just talking out of my head. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Listen to this. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Listen, because as he is, so are we in this world. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 says that as he is, so are we in this world. I am what he is. I am what he is. I am what he is. Man, I'm going to get into this because, man, I I may even have to come back tomorrow and do more of this because there's so much to it. I am what he is. So think of it this way. Is he resurrected? Yes. Then am I resurrected? Yes. Because I am what he is. Is Jesus sick? No. Then am I sick? No. Do I have... People say, well, brother, there's sickness on my body. <clears throat> their symptoms might be there. The devil might be trying to attack you. This is where I'm talking about the victory part. Victory every day. He's not sick, and as a result, I'm not sick. He's not dead, I'm not dead. He's not poor, I'm not poor. You hear what I'm saying? I've identified with Christ. I, I am what he is. You know, People will call, this is insane. People will call you crazy for confessing Pauline revelation. And you've got all these people around America and around the world and nobody calls them crazy. I'm a man, but I identify as a woman. I'm, you know, like the lady in Washington. I'm white, but I identify as black. And then they're gonna, they're going to, Call us crazy because the devil tries to attack our body with sickness. And I say, no, I identify as healed. I identify as healed. As he is, so are we in this world. He's not sick. I'm not sick. I identify as healed. You might be going through a financial struggle right now. I don't identify as broke or poor. I don't identify as going bankrupt. I identify as as wealthy, because he's not poor, I'm not poor. As he is, so are we. Christ is not depressed. I identify as joyful. I identify as peaceful. Why? Because Christ is not anxious. Christ is not depressed. Christ is not suicidal, and neither am I. I identify as healed, Healthy, prosperous, joyful, peaceful, strong, marriage working out, children obeying the law. You understand, I identify as what he is. As he is, so are we in this world. Please understand it. Please get it. As he is, so are we. You are what he is. Do you think Christ can come down with cancer? Do you, what doctor? What doctor can, can, can diagnose Jesus with cancer? What doctor can diagnose Jesus with cancer? 
What doctor can diagnose Jesus with type 2 diabetes? What doctor can admit Christ to the hospital? He cannot be harassed. What cannot harass Jesus cannot harass you in Jesus' name. Write that in the comments. If it can't harass Christ, it can't harass me. If it can't harass Christ, it can't harass me. I'm getting ready to give you the most powerful part of this in just a moment. I'll give you the most powerful part of this, this last thing. It's going to shake your faith to a new level. That's right. I identify as wealthy. I identify as restored. I identify as healed. I identify as joyful. I identify as peaceful. Because if it can't harass Christ, it can't harass me. That's right. It cannot. And so nothing that can't gain entrance into heaven and take him out can't take you out. You've been redeemed from the curse. Christ took the curse for you, nailed it to the tree. Amen. For the Bible says, cursed is every man that's hung upon a tree. You're not cursed today. You're blessed. Identify as Christ. Now, why do I say that? Because, and the reason I made the point about the resurrection song and all that is because understand, if you have this view of yourself as though you're constantly being resurrected, like I'm in a process of resurrection, then you have to believe you are still partially dead if you're being resurrected, right? If it's a process, if it's happening by percentage, well, what percentage resurrected are you? Are you like 70% alive, 30% dead? Are you 50-50? Are you 20% alive, 80% dead? The resurrected king is resurrecting me. How long is it going to take? How long is this process? At what point will I be fully resurrected? Because I've got things to do and I can't sit in the waiting room all day. How long is it going to take for Christ to resurrect me? How long did, well, here's the real question. How long did it take the Holy Spirit to resurrect Jesus? A moment. An instant, bam, moment. How long did it take Christ to resurrect Lazarus? Come forth, out he came. Did he take, did it take Jesus a week to resurrect Lazarus? And little by little, well, today we're going to resurrect his feet. And then tomorrow we, you know, we may resurrect his calves and and knees. And I think by Thursday we can get around to his thighs and hips. And uh, I'm guessing that sometime by the end of next week, we're going to get up to his shoulders. And I'd say by the time the month comes to an end, we'll get to get up to his head. No, he didn't partially resurrect Lazarus day by day by day. Christ wasn't partially resurrected day by day by day, and neither are you being gradually resurrected. When Christ was resurrected, you were resurrected. Why? Because you are part of the body of Christ. We've said, this is crazy, we've said body of Christ for so long that it's become a religious term to us. Let me just, let me get get real plain with you today. You're watching this broadcast. You're looking at the body of Ted. This is the body of Ted. It's what you're, it's what you're watching today. The body of Ted. I Listen to me. I could not be here teaching you if only a portion of me was alive. You know, like if, if I'm, if only my head is alive, but my heart's not, my lungs aren't. 
you know, my stomach, my liver, my kidneys. If those parts of me aren't alive, I can't sit here and do the broadcast with you. You're looking at the body of Ted. The head is alive, yes, but guess what? The rest of the body is alive. Because, listen to me, my body is not separated from me. I am one and the same. What you're looking at on the broadcast, and you can only see the top half of me, but I assure you the bottom half is there as well. (laughs) But you understand, all of me is alive. I'm not partially dead. I couldn't do the broadcast. And notice this, all of me is Ted. All of me is Ted. These arms are just as much me as this head is. You understand? These shoulders, this chest, this stomach, my legs are just as much me as my head. It's all Ted. That's why I joke around. I say, you know, when when you understand this principle, when I introduce myself to somebody, I don't say, hey, it's nice to meet you. My head's name is Ted. My body's Richard. Who are you? No. All of me is Ted. And if you're a part of the body of Christ, just as as you're looking at me, the body of Ted, if you're a part of the body of Christ, how can the head who is Jesus be alive and you be dead? Doesn't work that way. If you're in him, you are what he is. You understand? I can't be, let let me give you you another, another example. I am white. I know you can't tell, but I am. I'm Caucasian. I'm white. I don't even know what Caucasian means, but I'm white. Part of me cannot be black. I can't, you know, I can't have black legs and a white upper body. You know, my, my arms can't be Vietnamese and, and the rest of my body African-American. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. I am what I am. I know people have percentages of lineage and everything like that, but you understand, you have to write something on the census. Something's got to go on the driver's license. Bronze, yeah, exactly. Something has to go on the driver's license. Something's got to go on the birth certificate. You know, they they identify you somehow. And so understand, I can't be more than one thing. My legs are not Native American and my upper body Chinese. You understand what I'm saying? And so that means if you are in the body of Christ, what you are is what he is. If he's victorious, you're victorious. If he's alive, you're alive. If he's been raised, you've been raised. He's not separated from you. You're one and the same. He's the head. You're the body. Now let's finish this by going to the book of Ephesians chapter one. This is going to make you jump out of your seat and shout around your wherever you are. If you're driving a car, be very careful because what I'm getting ready to give you here is going to stir your spirit up. Ephesians chapter one, we need to get this in our hearts. I'm talking about never ending victory day after day after day after day. Never ending victory. And this is how you get it. You have to have this, you have to have this understanding on a daily basis or else you'll not see yourself as the victorious body of Christ that Christ has made you to be. It's who you are. Ephesians chapter one. Now let's let's look at this. Let me start reading with... Um, Actually, let me start reading with verse 16. Listen to this very carefully because this is going to open your eyes. Paul's saying about the Ephesians, uh, the church at Ephesus, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. 
verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his, uh, uh, to which he has called you, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of his great might, verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Stop there. Notice what he just did. He didn't just raise Christ from the dead. He caused him to ascend into heaven and then he seated him on a throne at his right hand. Go further seated him his right hand in the heavenly places, verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And now here's where it gets so powerful. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, catch this, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. You see that? He raised him above all things, every name that's named, everything. And the Bible says, and made him the head over all things to church, uh, 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 the head over all things. And notice this, put all things under his feet. Now here's what's powerful about this because we're the body of Christ. It would have been possible to say, now think about this. It could have been very possible to say, and has put all things under his head. The Bible could have said that if that's the way God wanted it to be. He goes, he's made him to be the head and he has put all things under his head. Now, what that would have meant was every wicked thing Every sickness, disease, every attack, every demon would have been under Christ, who is the head, but maybe not under you because maybe you're the elbows of the body of Christ and somehow the other names like cancer and demon possession and type two, they're up here, but it's still under the head, but it's, you know, it's not under the elbow who's you, or maybe you're the wrist of the body of Christ. And so you know, it, it's under Christ, but it's not, a, no, it specifically, God took all of those things and notice how high he lifted you and how high he lifted Christ and has put all things under his feet. Hallelujah. Under his feet. So think about this. Even if you would consider yourself to be the very least of the least in the body of Christ, you're not, let's just say if, if this were the case, and I'm sure it's not, but not, you're not even the pinky toe of the body of Christ. You're like the pinky toe nail. If that's who you are in the body. Paul said we're all different parts, members in particular of the body of Christ. And so let's say you're not even the, the pinky toe. You're the pinky toe nail of the body of Christ. It doesn't matter because even if you're the pinky toe nail of the body of Christ, all things are under his feet which means the pinky toenail is still above. 
Now, notice this. He didn't just say he's above. That, that's what's powerful. He didn't just say that you're above. Notice what he did say. Far, verse 21, far above all. Where did he seat him? Far above all. Rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. Not only in this world, but that which is to come. He didn't just put you right under the feet. Notice this. If this, if this is the feet of, of the body of Christ, and here's the problems, the issues, the, uh, the attacks, the sicknesses, the diseases, he didn't put you right on top. He didn't put you right on top of those things. And so that you're, no, he's lifted you so far above, far above that what's down way down underneath you, you can't even barely make it out. No, number five, Letty, is that you have been, the, the identification, for those of you who haven't written it in the comments yet, I, I am, I've been, I've, I'm ascended, I've ascended and am seated with Christ. I've ascended and am seated with Christ. That's number five, because they're together. He raised him up and seated him. He raised him up and seated him. The moment that Jesus was blessing his disciples in Bethany, the Bible says that he began to ascend into heaven, up into the clouds. They stood there looking up into the sky and an angel had to come down and say, men of Galilee, why are you standing here gazing into heaven? This same Jesus that you saw go is coming back again in like manner. Jesus raised you up. When he was raised, you were raised. That's found, by the way, in, in Ephesians 2, 6. I'll read five and six. Ephesians 2, five and six. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Notice how high, how high are you? So high that you're far above. I laugh. Do you think I'm going to fly through airports with a surgical mask on my face because somebody said coronavirus? I wasn't doing it when they had the um, the other plague that hit like in 2005 or six or seven or whatever it was, and they had uh, you know people that were all upset because there was uh, you know plague going around, people flying around with surgical masks, and you know what are you going to wear a hazmat suit when you go out? I'm so far above that virus, it doesn't have the resources to touch my body. This is what I'm talking about. This is the kind of revelation. You will have what you believe to be true. Your faith determines your destiny. Your faith determines your future. I said your faith determines your future. I, ref I refuse. Coronavirus can't touch my bloodstream, can't touch my body. I'm filled with resurrection life power. The same, listen, the same power that literally was able to raise Jesus from the dead. No, we're seated in heavenly places now, the Bible says, Karen. Not after death, now. Now, he raised, Paul wrote that to the church that was still alive in, in Ephesus, in Turkey. He said that when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, he raised you up together with Christ. If you did it with Christ, it's when he was resurrected. When he was resurrected. 40 days after his resurrection, he, was, he ascended into heaven. 10 days later, he sent the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. So understand, when he was raised, you were raised. When he was seated, you were seated. The last verse that we just quoted was Ephesians 2, 6, Letty. 
Ephesians chapter two, when, verses five and six. When you were dead in trespasses and sins, he raised you up together and made you sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So understand something. I'm not a little bit above it. I'm far above it. You're not a little bit above cancer. You're far above it. You're not a little bit above diabetes. You're far above it. You're not a little bit above poverty. You're far above it. You're not a little bit above chronic depression. You're far above it. Why? I've been raised and seated far above principalities, powers, every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come and has put all things under my feet and made him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. You are so far above it, it can't touch you. But notice, not everybody lives like that. Why? Because you'll know the truth and the truth that you know will make you free. It's so important to get that. The truth that you know will make you free. That's it. High in Christ, very high, very high. The truth that you know will make you free. So I want you to catch this with me today because it's so very important, is that you identify in every one of these areas. I gave you five. Number one, I am crucified with Christ. Number two, I died with Christ. Number three, I was buried with Christ. Number four, I was resurrected with Christ. Number five, I was I ascended and was seated with Christ. You hear that? I was seated with Christ. That right there is a place of power. That's a place of power. Maybe I'll touch on that this week, Karen. Maybe I'll maybe I'll touch on that and teach this week on that. She's asking. Will you ever do a teaching on the sufferings and trials uh, that Jesus prophesied and what Paul's thorn in the flesh was? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do it this week. But understand, this resurrection power that's flowing through your veins right now, and I'm going to pray for every person that's watching because there's many of you that are battling in your body. I didn't do this teaching to say that your, that your attacks are not real. You know, we're not Christian scientists that say, you know, we just deny the existence of everything that, you know, is happening in our lives. That's not what we're doing. But by faith, we're saying that although the enemy may try to attack me with sickness, that sickness is destroyed by the resurrection power of Christ that is in my body today. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and quickens, startles, makes alive my mortal body. That's what your truth is today. And that's why I'm preaching it on this broadcast, because you've got to know the truth for the truth to set you free. You must know the truth for the truth to set you free. So let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every man and every woman that's watching. Maybe they need a breakthrough uh, in their physical body. They need healing. They need deliverance. They need uh, overwhelming joy, peace, deliverance from depression. And so, Lord, I pray for them today. Lord, touch your people. Heal your people. Let virtue flow through their body. Drive out sickness and disease today by the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' wonderful name. Touch their families. Touch their relationships. Heal marriages. I pray that you touch their minds. Bring them peace and joy. Let this be a day of victory for your people in the wonderful name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise and glory for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let me strongly encourage you to sow a seed by faith today. Those of you that are watching, of course, you know I'm always praying for you. And you don't ever have to sow a seed for me to pray for you. I'll do that for free at any time. 
about anything. But those of you that believe in what this ministry is doing, those of you that believe in what Carolyn and I are doing for the Lord, I want you to take a step of faith and stand with us today. On the, What is today? On this 24th day of February, this month that we have an extra day God gave us this year, in this leap year, I want you to take a moment and to sow a seed of faith. What do I mean? Let me define that quickly for you. It is something that it takes faith to do. Something that takes faith to do. You know what that is. I don't know what it is for you, but you know something that it would take faith for you to step out and say, I don't know, it doesn't seem in the natural like maybe I can, but I'm doing it knowing that my harvest is coming back. And the reason that we do that is because only faith can please God. And so I want to encourage you to do it. Those of you that are sowing seeds today, if you're on Periscope or Facebook, you can use hashtag donate in the comments. Uh, you can also, everybody, even those watching the podcast, you can scroll up and look at the details. Go to miracleword.com and sow a seed on the website, or if you'd like to partner with us, which is what we're believing for, men and women that will stand with us to partner and believe God that a generation will be saved before it's too late in Jesus' name. You can partner at miracleword.com and sow a monthly seed of $85 or more. Whatever the Lord speaks to you to do, do it by faith. You can also use PayPal, Cash App, Venmo. If you'd like to give via an app, very easy to do. And of course, for those of you uh, the few that like to still uh, mail a check. All of um, the details are on the website. And so you can find the mailing address at the footer of every page and you can send a check if you'd like to do that as well. I love you. For those of you that are partnering with us, standing with us this month, $85 or more, we're gonna send you this brand new book by Pastor Alan DiDio, Encounter, forward by Dr. Rod Parsley. This book will bless you abundantly. We need an encounter with the Holy Ghost in this generation like never before. We need moves of the Spirit of God. This book will show you how. It'll show you how to walk in the power of God daily. And uh, this book's been a blessing to me as well. This is a, a powerful man of God, Pastor Allen. He's a friend of mine. I love him. And he's doing a wonderful work for the Lord in North Carolina. And of course, touching the world as well with revival wherever he goes. Those of you that are standing with us at $1,000 or more this month, we have this beautiful, brand new study Bible, Genuine Leather, in the New Living Translation that we're sending to you. It has so many notes. I liked it so much when it finally came into the office that I took one for myself, and this one's mine. Uh, but I love this Bible. Uh, profiles on characters throughout the whole Bible, teaching the themes of, of each book, uh, maps, giving you background, history, um, notes, so many notes. This is the number one selling study Bible in the world right now, or I know it for at least in the United States of America, uh, number one, and uh, I love it. So we're going to make this our gift to you. I'm gonna sign it to you and your family for every person that's sowing $1,000 uh, or more this month, and this will be a massive blessing to you. And we love you guys very much. I'm gonna be back again uh Feed the children. I'm not sure if, if, if it's who James uh, Robeson supports. It's the one that was started by Dr. Lester Sumrall. And uh, we're with Feed the Children is a different organization. We're with Feed the Hungry, uh, which is Dr. Lester Sumrall's program that he began years ago. Feed the Children is, is a different humanitarian organization. Uh, and we have worked with them in the past as well. Uh, but it's different. 
Yeah, we're doing everything we can to touch the world. And I'm telling you, God has opened more doors than ever before. I'm getting ready to go back to South Africa. I'm getting ready to go back to Jamaica. I'm getting ready to go back to Canada. Uh, doors have opened for Brazil again. I mean, it's just God keeps opening the doors and we're going to run. We're going to see people saved and changed by the power of the Holy Ghost and continue to see miracles take place. I'm telling you, it's the greatest hour to ever be alive. Jesus is coming soon. So I want to say a big thank you to everybody that's standing with Carolyn and with me as we're doing what God's called us to do. We love you guys so very much and appreciate you. It's great to see everybody back on the broadcast today. And uh, you're not going to want to miss tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. Listen, this week, um, Carolyn will be on the broadcast with me some. My father, who is still here, I'm going to ask him if he'd be a guest with me on the broadcast as well. It's going to be a great week this week and next and you're not going to want to miss one broadcast. So I'll see you guys again uh, tomorrow at 10.30 a.m. And don't forget, uh, if you haven't got a chance to check these out yet, uh, all of our courses are available at Miracle Word University. And these will bless you. We just bundled all these together literally this month. Every course we have, 20 plus hours of teaching at only $199 or $50 a month for four months. That's like getting a course for free. It's a 28% discount. And these will build your faith. Mountain moving faith, answered prayer, divine healing, pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. If you've not yet got a chance to check these out, go to miraclewordu.com. Miraclewordu.com. And uh, you can check out the courses. You can look at the videos. Um, all that stuff, you can check it out ahead of time. And you can actually start an account for free and then choose what you would like to do uh, as as you as the courses are being released. And we got more courses coming as well. So I'm excited about that. Um, I'm trying to think. There was one other thing I was going to tell you. By the way, if you didn't get a chance to sign up to, uh, to receive text messages, please do that. There's the information on the screen. Listen, do me a big favor before I go today. Those of you that are watching on Facebook, maybe you're watching on YouTube, Periscope, maybe you're listening on the podcast today and you've never taken a second to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Can I ask you to do that as a favor to me today? It helps me a ton to get the word out and to see these messages touch more and more people. It definitely helps the, the algorithm on Google and YouTube when they see the, uh, the channel following grow. You search my name, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., and you'll see a channel that comes up with my picture. Um, and at this time, I think that the channel has just, just over 18,000 subscribers. Um, I would love for you to be a part of the family on YouTube. So if you've not done so yet, it only take you a second, take a minute and subscribe to the YouTube channel. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I love you guys and appreciate you so much. Have a phenomenal day. And uh, as we like to do, I'm going to run a preview of Miracle Word University at the end of the broadcast. If you've never seen any of our courses on Miracle Word U, this is just a taste of what it's like to be a part of one of the courses. And we have comment sections where you can engage with me, other students, uh, all kinds of resources and books for you. But I know you'll enjoy it. I love you guys. And uh, I'll see you again tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Have a blessed day. So in this video, I want to quickly show you something that I was speaking about in a previous video, and that is when we were talking about the measure of faith, uh, one of the warnings that uh, I give you and that you find in the scripture is 
to not exceed your measure of faith. And there's a reason that we talk about this. It is, I mentioned in the previous video that it's damaging to you if you try to operate outside of your measure of faith in the same way that it would be, uh, I use the analogy of going to the gym. And if you tried to lay down on the bench press and put more weight on the bar than your body can handle, although you might be able to get to that weight one day, you're not there today. And so trying to operate in that level of strength when you're not there would end up being damaging to your body. If you didn't injure your uh, shoulders or strain your muscles lifting that weight, you would actually just drop the weight on yourself and maybe crush your chest. And so it's important to understand that you should never exceed your measure of faith. As we showed you in Romans chapter 12, the Bible says God has apportioned or dealt out to every man a measure of faith. And so it's important that you understand that you are currently at a certain level of faith. And uh, as we read that, uh, I'll read it to you from the NASB in this video, uh, Romans 12, 3. The Bible says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So there is a measure to your faith. It's at a certain level right now. You should never try to do things that are beyond that level. I'll give you an example of that in a bit, but let's look at 1 Corinthians 7, 17. 1 Corinthians 7, 17. Listen to this. Paul writes, only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each in this manner, let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches. You see that? Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each in this manner, let him walk. So don't walk outside of the manner in which God's called you and assigned you and purposed you. Let's go on. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Listen to this. But we will not boast beyond our measure. You see that? We'll not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere, which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach you, for we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ. So understand what Paul's teaching here. We're not overextending our measure. We're not going beyond what we should be doing. We are operating within the sphere of our apportioned measure of faith. It's important to stay within your measure. Ephesians chapter four and verse seven, the Bible says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then finally, let me read to you first Peter chapter four and verse 11. The Bible says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God and whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So from these verses of scripture that I'm reading you, you can see and understand that there's a measure of faith in which, in which you're currently standing that God has blessed you with and that you've grown to that level that as Paul taught, you should never try to operate outside of your measure of faith. 
And one of the ways to ensure that you never operate outside the measure of your faith, and this is so very important to listen and adhere to this thought, one of the best ways, and I'd say it's the best way to ensure you'll never operate outside your measure of faith to the harm of yourself, your family, your ministry, whatever, is to only ever do what God called you to do and only ever do what he is directing you to do. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.